Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold the scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here... Logan Batisti. And we are coming to you... Um, On a St. Paddy's Day. St. Paddy's Day. That is right. It is St. Paddy's Day, and we didn't have corned beef and cabbage. We didn't, but did you did you watch the video I sent you in the chat? I have... <laughs> I haven't watched it. I've seen it all, all over my Facebook today, though. We we watched it at work. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what we we're talking about, you can just look up St. Patrick and the Trinity, and you will find the lovely video that we are talking about. Really cements today. It just <laughs> it puts such a good historical perspective on today. Oh, completely <laughs> uh but yeah how's things been going we're actually getting like within two episodes yeah, in one month we're getting there so we're trying to get back to regular stuff at least my wife's been pretty good at reminding me that you did someone's <laughs> got to remind us right especially for me taking the time to sit down and go through some of these episodes after we've recorded it is quite a bit yeah 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 it is there's you're the man with the computer. I just, I can't even say I show up with a good voice. I just, I'm just here. You put a lot of good input. You're the main input sometimes. Comic so. relief. That's what I am. Comic relief. Oh, he wishes he was comic <laughs> relief. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good comic relief. It's almost like from Night at the Museum 2 when Lancelot is, or no, that's 3. When 3. Oh, I didn't when, see 3. When Lancelot is going to Ben Stiller and saying, Oh, you were just like this jester. Anything you say could make me laugh. You have the gift. <laughs> and and still just say something. Lancelot be cracking up. And then at the end of the show, he's like, I was just kidding. You never had the gift. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the third one. I saw the second one. Third one's pretty good. You get to see his mm. parents and learn about how the um, magical tablet got its powers. Oh. And why it got its powers like that. It's sad, though. I just, after you watch the first one, I don't know if he's in the second one, but Robin Williams. Uh, he's in all three of them. Is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize they were, wow, that's that old? Uh, third one The third is? one may have been some extra CGI oh, okay. of it, but yeah. That's why I still can't watch Mrs. Doubtfire. That was, man, that was such a good movie, but just Robin Williams, he was like my childhood hero actor right oh it's 2014 hmm. so i don't know when did robin williams die that's about right yep right after it came out wow august 11 2014 that is depressing okay well that was one of the last movies he was in <sighs> on a somber note anyway <laughs> all right um, well, well, on a somber note, what's something that usually is pretty somber when most Christians think about it, but don't realize what it looks like sometimes? Are you talking about something that hits Baptist at the heart? <laughs> it's something we probably die <laughs> thinking of. That Baptists are not very good at, I should uh-huh. say. Not famous for. Let me put it that way. Not famous <laughs> we for. We are not famous. <laughs> but 
we're trying to work on our transitions into what we're talking yeah, about. Let's smooth transition there. No, I mean, today we're going to be in chapter nine of Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And it is on the mysterious topic of fasting. Fasting. Gotta say it dramatic like. Because it's the one that. I mean, how often do you really hear about a sermon series on fasting? Or even a sermon, I guess is the better way to put it. You know, I've probably heard maybe one, two. What gets. For me. I think there's a lot of ink spilled on the topic of fasting, but it seems like there's not a lot of like doing of fasting. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I really, you mean, I mean, I, I've heard about it growing up, but mm-hmm. like we don't talk about what the theoretical practice of it is. Mm. Right. I mean, you can talk about how Moses was on Mount, Sinai for 40 days with with mm-hmm. God and he fasted there from food and water for 40 days communicating with God getting the law understanding how to build the tabernacle or yeah that's right I think ten meeting something mm-hmm. yeah you guys know what I'm talking about or like if Jesus when he was 40 days of fasting in the wilderness and then was tempted by satan Mm -hmm. and there's other forms of fasting when one that comes to mind is when jonah went to nineveh Mm -hmm. nineveh fasted for like seven days i think or a few days it was a few days i don't i didn't remember i don't know it was a long time but they fasted repentance yep Yep. and i mean there's other times too and we'll kind of go through those i mean esther is another common one i can Mm -hmm. think of off the top of my head where they fasted for three days before she went to see King Xerxes. Uh, another somber note. Think of the uh, Jews that fasted, took a vow and fasted until Paul was dead. That is true. There is that one. So, I mean, even going through all these topics, like we can see that there's multiple times of what fasting can be used for. In fact, I believe Donald Whitney mentioned that it is quoted or that is fasted is used 77 times? I think it's, yeah, 77, and then baptism was only used 75. Yeah, 75. So technically, we talk more about fasting than baptism, and yet how important is baptism in the life of a believer? Right. Very important. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's no quarrel. There's no division between denominations about fasting. That I know of. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Oh, that, that was crazy to remember about John Wesley. Did you, yeah, that was that was crazy. How he said that he in order take to be any minister yeah. who didn't fast on Wednesday or Friday. Do I didn't think, know that. I didn't know that either. It kind of, I mean, it surprised me. But mm-hmm. John Wesley kind of had a lot of those things, kind of like that. That he's little. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of misses the heart. You know, of fasting, but it's a good effort. Like, I understand that. Right. I mean, it's a lot. I think it's a, not much better, but it is better than the whole Pharisee yeah. and the tax collector situation. Yeah. Where it's like, if you don't read your Bible every day, you can't be ordained. And it's like, well, 
if you read it mundane, you don't actually, if your heart's not attached to it, well, what's the point of reading? Right. What is fasting? What is fasting? We talked about it. We probably know, most of you know what it is, but but what what is it? Let's flush it out. Oh, boy. At a broad definition, fasting is taking a break from something Mm -hmm. and using the time that you would spend doing that something and giving the time to God and using it to deepen your relationship with God. So would it be appropriate if I fasted from work for a few 40 days? Yeah, that is such a trick question. That's not even fair in answering. Because, I mean, you think about it. If yeah. you're a bivocational pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Would it be wrong for you to take a break, a, a sabbatical, mm-hmm. and okay. yeah. from everything else, mm-hmm. and where you go on a vacation specifically with the purpose of enjoying time with God and growing in a deeper relationship and using that time to do that, to focus on you and your relationship mm. with God. That's a good twist. No, that's good. I actually know somebody, one of my old children's ministries, actually that's what they would do once a year is they would go and, of course, they were family. They'd go to a cabin and that's what they would work on, figure out what they're going to do for the next year and spend time relationship with God and figure out what the plan is. Mm. I think that's important. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that, that's a good point where fasting is, is ceasing from that work in that aspect. And, and like a fasting is almost a Sabbath rest. Right. Yeah. Which, granted, it's kind of not. Yeah. But, but I like the idea of it. Yeah. Right. Fasting can be helpful in mm-hmm. those Sabbath rest mm-hmm. moments. So my question to you is, Does biblical fasting mean I can fast from technology and that be okay? Does biblical fasting? Yes, biblical. What? Okay, what's the definition of biblical fasting? Should probably be the better way to put that. Oh, I mean, what we see in scripture is what we see f- things from fasting, or things such as food. We see, we see food. We see food and water. We see sex. We see, I mean, when you look at Jesus, you can think of his as also a fasting from one aspect, from society entirely, from reclu- from he withdrew himself entirely. Right. Prayer on the mountaintops. Yep. Mm-hmm. We see, and I feel like I'm missing one. I feel like, and I really feel like we're almost like dying in line between fasting and like solitude with it, that. Yeah. They can go hand in hand. I feel like so, but what we're trying to get to the main point to is fasting in a biblical sense. The main fasting you see will be from food, water, and as Paul writes in one of his epistles, like there's a time where a man and woman will decide to separate. Mm -hmm. Well, not separate, but like will not have physical intimacy Mm -hmm. in order to to promote their relationship mm-hmm. with God, but then they should come back as soon as yeah, they're yeah. done. You should not do it for an extended period of time. Right. But it's interesting. That is the only one that Paul says you shouldn't do very long. But yes. I, I kind of like this quote that he has. It says, self-indulgence is the enemy of gratitude. 
and self-discipline, usually it's friend and generator. That is why gluttony is a deadly sin. The early desert fathers believed that a person's appetites are linked. Full stomachs and jaded palates take the edge from our hunger and thirst for righteousness. They spoil the appetite for God. You know, when you think of going back to your technology, uh, like, can you fast from technology? Well, yeah, but I don't think that's the essence of it. Right. You know, that's not the heart. Do you need technology? Eh. <laughs> if you don't have it, you will live just fine. Actually, we might be better off. Theoretically, we we would be better off, but I could not do half of what I do without technology. Well, you just stone tablets. They did it before. Oh. Good luck writing all your manuscripts for your sermons <laughs> on a stone tablet. <laughs> I mean, I've somebody's going to switch to memory real fast. Yeah. <laughs> no manuscript today. But the essence of giving something up that is a really a re- requirement almost in right. order to substitute that for God to take that requirement that you that you need and give it and rely on God in that area. Well, I mean, let's get something straight, right? Mm-hmm. We're not saying that if you, oh, I want to f- fast from Facebook or Snapchat or something for like a month so that I can focus more on a relationship. We're not taking away from that. No, you no. need to understand at points in times where idols are in your life. And sometimes you need that break to understand that they are yeah. idols in your life. Yeah. No, you, that, that, that's that's fine. You, you, that's okay to do those things. Right. That that's a good fast. Yeah, that's like, a good fast, it, it, and it is a type of fasting. But we're we're trying to just stay close to home here, on the on the scriptural essence of it. Right. And granted, I'm sure there are people who medically can't do it for prolonged periods. That's that's understandable too. I mean, obviously, if you're a diabetic, it's please don't <laughs> just ignore eating for you know three days. That's not. Right. It's not going to, you know, it's not good. You're like, going to get closer to God, not in not in the way that you should. Like, even the essence of fasting is that those pangs of hunger, pangs of thirst, are supposed to remind you of being dependent upon God. Mm-hmm. I like uh, what uh, Desiring God says on this, on on fasting, and, and, and trying to get at the heart of what you just said right there, the, the pains. Mm-hmm. It says, when your empty stomach starts to growl and begins sending your brain every feed-me signal it can, don't be content to let your mind dwell on the fact that you haven't eaten. If you make it through with an iron will that says no to your stomach but doesn't turn your mind's eye elsewhere, it says more about your love for food than your love for God. Christian fasting turns his attention to Jesus or some greater cause of his in the world. Christian fasting seeks to take the pains of hunger and transpose them into the key of some eternal anthem, whether it's fighting against some sin or pleading for someone's salvation or for the cause of the unborn or longing for a greater taste of Jesus. Yeah. Let's see. I kind of... 
Oh, I gotta go back to it now. Like, Donald Whitney really explains it. It is voluntary in that fasting should not be coerced, and fasting is more than just the ultimate crash diet for the body. Mm-hmm. It is abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. You know, and I think that uh, kind of undercuts exactly what Wesley did there. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean, there is a wider definition, and I mean, Martin Lloyd-Jones kind of explains it. To make the matter complete, we would add that fasting, if we conceive of it truly, must not only be confined to the question of food and drink. Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. There are many bodily functions which are right and normal and perfectly legitimate, but which for special peculiar reasons certain circumstances should be controlled. That is fasting. There I suggest is a kind of general definition of what is meant by fasting. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, there's, what we'll see is there's going to be two different fast that's going to be set up. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a fast set up from the basic requirements of food and water. And then those that are external, I mean, not as intrinsic, I suppose. Yeah. Would be kind of the two, but both of these types lead to one purpose, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all focusing and using the time that you would spend doing both of these to say, Hey, I'm, giving this time to God to use it to spend with God. And how does a fast, like given the time to God, how long, what's the longevity there? How much time should we give? And and that's a really a personal question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't recommend if you've never done a fast before to try to go for three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a valid point. That's you mean I shouldn't just go straight for forty? Oh, please don't go straight for forty. And if you go for forty, make sure you drink water. <laughs> Cause you cannot live for more than three days without water. <laughs> it's you know <laughs> I was thinking about fasting. And this is not funny, but it was funny. It cracked me up. I was like, you know, you don't hear people ever say I'm gonna fast from water. Because you really can't. You're just not going to make it that long. Right. I mean, supernaturally, there are people yes. who made it that long. Yes. Supernaturally. <laughs> supernaturally. But I would not recommend it being something we try. But, you know, we have we have the normal fasts, right, that, that is talked about, for instance, like in Matthew 4, mm-hmm. verse 12. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, uh, he was hungry. That is Jesus. You mean verse 2? There's two. What did I say? Twelve. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. I'm staring at it, and my mind is not working. And coincidentally, in Luke chapter four, <laughs> verse two, it says he talk ate nothing a, during those days. Talk about a parallel. <laughs> That's a parallel. It's like they tried to do it. It's like they tried. To, yeah. <laughs> but it does not say that Jesus didn't drink anything. So there's a good possibility that during those times that. Jesus drank water while he was fasting from food. Yeah. The possibility. It doesn't mm-hmm. specify. But 
that is what you would consider a a, a full fast, a, no, a normal fast, a, you know, no no food, normal fast. And then you have what's called a partial fast, right? Right. Um, for this one, you think back to Daniel and Meshach. Meshach. Reg. Reg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. <laughs> Why I drew a blank. I want to say Radshack. That sounded better. I was going to say Benshack, but ben I was like, that's not even right either. You should listen to us. We can not pronounce the names right. Oh, oh goodness. And we also use the Babylonian names instead of the Jewish names. Look at us go. Oh, goodness. I don't remember. I couldn't even tell you what the Jewish names were. So. Wasn't Daniel's Belzazar? Oh, that Daniel's was... is the only one that's probably the Jewish name. I think the other ones. Yeah. Because yeah, this was like Belzazar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you, but you have a partial fast like Daniel, and where they only well, decided to eat vegetables. That's in uh, Daniel one. So they decide to only eat vegetables, and you see that they fast from all meats, right? And yet they grow strong. Or you get the wild man, John the Baptist, <laughs> honey and locust, honey and locust. You know, I have heard of a lot of diets: keto, Atkins, never that one. John the Baptist diet. Be onto something. It's definitely not the Baptist diet, that's for sure. We could publish that. <coughs> they have, I mean, think about it. They have prayer towels. Okay, we could have, we could have a prayer <coughs> diet. No, I'm not. No, don't want to have to explain that one to heaven <laughs> or God in heaven. <laughs> or what did you do with your time? What What is this? The prayer diet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. It worked for one guy. It's got to work for some other. (laughs) A partial diet. So, and then there's an absolute fast, which is avoidance of all food and liquid, even water. Now, this one's kind of a restricted field almost. You know. I mean, not restricted. It's restricted for like longevity purposes in scripture. Right. So we only see it a few times. Yeah. I mean, there's Ezra mm-hmm. and Ezra 10, where Ezra withdrew neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. Mm-hmm. Or in Esther, like I said earlier, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. Esther four sixteen, and so like you notice. Oh, let's go ahead and read the the Acts one too. You know, Apostle Paul says uh, uh, for three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. And you see the common theme with this absolute fast, fast, fast. It tends to be short. Mm-hmm. There are a few longer ones. And these longer ones tend to be supernatural. And there's two instances of these, and they actually both occur in the same place. <laughs> if you think about it, I know I did not, you know, I that did not click in my head. Yeah. Until I was reading it, and I was like, "Wow, that is a good point." Well, I was thinking about it too, and you think about the transfiguration, right? Take a rabbit trail for a second. 
And who are the two people who meet with Jesus on the mountain? Oh, yeah. Moses mm. and Elijah. And who are the only two people who met with God on, on Mount Sinai? Moses and Elijah. That is a good point. I never realized that until I studied <laughs> the Transfiguration for Wednesday nights. That is a good point. <laughs> hmm. I like that. Yep. Mind blown like, for the... It's like... It's like God had that planned. Hmm. So, both days, 40 nights without food and water, and God supernaturally intervened in their bodily processes, and I would not recommend doing it unless you were called by God, and uh, would barely, 95% of the time, say that's not going to happen. Yeah. There's a reason there's only two occurrences and really the only parallel to this would be jesus and jesus doesn't specifically say that he didn't drink water right so while these two times it clearly says they're without food and water and so that's why we break that's why he's made the distinction between those all right and then there's a private fast, which is referred to most often in this chapter and what Jesus meant in Matthew chapter 6, 16, and 18. So, said that the people should fast in a way that they're not noticed by others. I mean, he talks about how these group of people, you could tell when somebody was fasting, they were somber, they were gloomy and doomy. I mean, imagine if you didn't eat, you were hangry. Yeah. I could imagine me being pretty hangry after a few days. Especially after all the good food we had tonight. That's good food. But he said that you should go and do it and wear smiling smiling faces, I guess is the way I'm thinking of putting it. But like it you shouldn't show to the public Mm -hmm. that you're having a fast. It shouldn't look like there's any difference. Mm -hmm. Should do it in, in, in happiness and in uh, a beat. Right. Yeah. And then there's two more. Congregational fast. Mm-hmm. Which this you have in Joel mm-hmm. chapter 2, verse 15 through 16. He says, Blow a trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly. Or Acts 13, 2. In Antioch, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. So this is a this was a neat topic that I I didn't really think of when you you don't ever hear of that really today. Actually, have you heard of I've that? had a couple of have times. You? Okay. Yeah, I know a few churches who have gotten together and done church-wide fast. In fact, I think David Platt's church is one of them. I think I've heard that they've had a church-wide fast. I mean, actually, I do know a local one. Cody's church has done that. Oh, okay. And then I actually really think it's important. Yeah. Um, The more like I've stuck, like get to think about scripture and realize how little of it I apply to my life. Like this is one of those things where read about it, but I don't really have many applications of it. I mean, I've done it a few times, mm-hmm. but I mean, when it 
comes to just one person praying and fasting, but could you imagine like what would happen? A whole congregation. Right. Yeah. I mean, you took the time together and every one of them searched the will of God together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's part of something we should do in a timely sense of the word. Like every time we're thinking of changing leadership in a church, Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it be for an elder or pastor, if you'd rather prefer that term, mm-hmm. it, for a deacon, mm-hmm. I mean, there should be fasting on both sides of the pastor and who's coming into the church, mm-hmm. and there should definitely be fasting from the church as they're looking for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a time where they're really seeking what God wants rather than what their own opinions mm-hmm. of what a pastor should be or leader should be. And there's not, I mean, those are, those are important weighty decisions mm-hmm. that, I mean, we see so many times and I mean, I know I mentioned the time of fasting that was not good with the, the Jews wanting to Paul to die. But most of the time you see fasting it's always to do with repentance or something that is positive. Like if this is one of the only, I mean, not one of the only disciplines, this is one of the disciplines that has typically a positive outcome in scripture. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's a few times where it doesn't, but there's a lot of positivity when you implement this. And I, I think there's something to that when, when you are withholding that, substance that you require mm-hmm. and you trust in God, it aligns yourself closer to his will and not yours. Not not that God is being persuaded by your fasting, but your fasting allows you to become more acquainted with God's will for your life. Right. I mean, there's even a chance of where it's not just congregational, it's not just private, but there's also national fasts that occur in scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 23 called for a national fast. Um, think of all the Jews that Esther asked. And, Ezra 4, 16. Mm-hmm. And then look at Nehemiah 9, 1, Esther 4, 6. And then even in Jonah chapter 3, mm-hmm. Nineveh, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Nationally, we're told that n- neither man nor animal could eat, eat or drink. Yeah. You know, I didn't know this. Did you know that during the early days of our nation, Congress proclaimed three national fasts? I did not know that. Presidents John Adams and James Madison each called all Americans to fast, and Abraham Lincoln did so on three separate occasions during the Civil War. Hmm. That was a tidbit of trivia for today. When you think about how secular we are today, that's hard to imagine. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Let's see. Looks like when you look at the Old Testament to even start setting this up, there was only one time that God had given one regular day to fast, and that's the Day of Atonement. Mm. Which, you want to think of a day that was weighty each year that kind of loomed over your head. I mean, that that's the one. I mean, this is yeah. the one where you, the whole 
reason is to get closer to God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see how like this is a reverent day where everything oh, is yeah. focused on yeah. God. I mean, from I mean, it, it's so much more than a Sunday worship. This is, I mean, you're the entire day. Every moment of the day is in preparation and dependence upon God. From the time of you leading the animal out to go get sacrificed, like everything is in preparation. Yeah, and then. Afterwards, while they're in Babylon, the leaders of the Jews instituted four other annual fasts. And we kind of see this when we talk about the Pharisee in Luke 18, talking about how he fasts twice a week. Then we have occasional fasts. Special occasions. Such as? We have Matthew nine fifteen. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of important because I mean, you think at the time when this is happening is the Pharisees that come up to Jesus and like, why are your disciples not fasting? I mean, our disciples fast disciples fast john the baptist disciples fast Mm -hmm. but yours aren't at all Mm -hmm. and this is jesus saying yes at this point in time they are not but there is a time when When they they will will. i think that stresses the importance of like this is something we need to keep in mind of and actually work into our spiritual lives Mm -hmm. not just because of yeah this is going to have great repercussions for me but because it's a a practice that actually brings us closer to god Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to look at it as. I mean, we don't think of reading our... I mean, we shouldn't think of reading your Bible as I am going to uh, necessarily better myself. I'm going to make God listen to me by reading my Bible, right? You would never think that. But when it comes to fasting, we tend to... At least my mindset has always been to to kind of swing that way where people consider fasting a way to persuade God. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's funny how we take this one discipline and we think this is the one that persuades him. And really, all the disciplines are to align ourselves with God's will, not to have him sway to ours, but for us to be conformed to his will. Yeah, and especially like as the Christian continues to grow, I mean, we talked about this with prayer. I mean, the more you grow and the more you ask for prayer, the more you realize that the goal of prayer isn't to ask for what you want, mm-hmm. but it's to ask for God's will to be made known. Mm-hmm. And that the things that you're asking for are more of what you want God's will to be in your life rather than what your selfish desires want for it. When you look at Christ, what does he say? You know, his disciples ask, how shall we pray? And his answer is, you pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and heaven and in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. I mean, he walks through what it is and what's what it isn't is Lord, this is what I want you to do. What all the what the prayer focuses on is Lord, you are glorified, and Lord, forgive me, conform me. Change me. Don't change yourself. Let me be changed. Right. 
And Christ modeled that for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, he even tells us that during, while he's teaching in Matthew chapter six, and when you fast, mm-hmm. is how he starts it off. It says, "Don't act like those who are gloomy." If I if I remember, but, but when, when you, you fast, fast, yeah, not if you fast, right? But when you fast, and then you couple that with what he said before, they will fast. When you fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Or even explain, and when you pray. I mean, really, if you go back through the Sermon on the Mount, it's mm-hmm. really explained so many intrinsic things to mm-hmm. what the kingdom is going to be like mm-hmm. and what values are upheld in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Should be the way I should put it. I mean, yeah, you have, so when you give, isn't that also, I mean, a comparison? There's no, when you give, don't let your one right. hand know. Like, it's amazing when you couple that with the giving aspect. We go, yeah, that's, you know, that has really heavy weight and we want to institute that absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, almost dogmatically, you think of when you pray and then when you get to fasting, when you fast. you put, We put so much weight on everything else and we get to fast, it's like... Yeah, yeah, we'll get over that real fast. We'll get over the fasting fast. Mm-hmm. You know, we skip past it, and we don't let it sink in how important it is wedged in there with all those. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Even Christians in the book of Acts fasted. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about chapter 9, verse 9. And when they fasted. Yeah, it's even in chapter 13 to chapter 14 23 i mean i'm pretty sure like christians were fasting Mm -hmm. because of peter and them being in prison and yeah when peter's in prison um at these at these important moments is when they fast Mm -hmm. i mean it, it humbles me to think of i've made some pretty very very important decisions in my life and, you know, there's a lot of times it doesn't even cross my mind to fast. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of times where I think of, and I'm sure as we go through the chapter, we'll get to it. But I think the one moment that kind of stands out to me is like King David. Mm. And you get to his sin of Bathsheba and Nathan, Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him about it. Mm-hmm. and tells him, like, this is what's going to happen, and then tells him that since Bathsheba's pregnant, the child is going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay, the child's born and automatically becomes sick. So what does David do? For, like, three days, like, sackcloth, ashes, fasting without food and drink. And people are asking, like, why in the world are you doing this? Well... Maybe because by fasting, God will change his mind. Mm-hmm. I, now, if you know the story, obviously it doesn't, like, the consequences carried out still. Mm-hmm. But David's not ashamed of it. It's not upset by it. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes right afterwards and eats and drinks normally again. Because, I mean, understands it was... It was, like a, it was like a switch almost for him. Right. You know, he went from fasting, notices 
news that his son had died and he basically gets up and he's like, okay. Right. Uh, this was what God had told me was going to happen. I understand that it was God had made this the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, my sin has consequences, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean I'm going to not try to pray mm-hmm. and fast for this. And I mean, continues on. This is still a man who is considered a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Through everything. Yeah. Even through his, his massive failures. Mm-hmm. So question, we talked about disciples aren't, weren't supposed to fast when Jesus was here, but when did the time start for them to fast? When the bridegroom left. Has the bridegroom come back? No, <laughs> he, <laughs> no, he has not. <laughs> so if the bridegroom has not come back, mm-hmm. what does that mean? means we should not fast right just kidding we should fast. <laughs> we should fast yes yeah i mean jesus is away i mean we're still praying for god's will to be done here on earth mm-hmm. Ooh, another quote by john piper on fasting christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for god so witty ah uh, <laughs> him, and, him and Douglas Wilson like I don't know how they do that Douglas Wilson A.W. Pink yeah. uh, if you guys don't know this is a reformed Baptist podcast it's kind of in the beginning yeah <laughs> if you've been with us for like a year and a half now that we've been doing this whoo year and a half almost but <laughs> we're well, reformed Baptist and uh some of the people we look up to are definitely Reformed Baptists Reformed. and Presbyterians. Yes. Presbyterians. <laughs> Did you ever tell you that joke? It was it was a meme and it was like library showed a library and it was like Presbyterian, 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 and it like zooms out and it says, Oh, you must be a Reformed Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Or like the time that John MacArthur is one of those reformed funny moments. John MacArthur talking about the time he was approached by R.C. Sproul to debate baptism. Mm-hmm. And he was like, <clears throat> R.C. said, you know, you want to have a debate at Ligonier? And John MacArthur was like, you know, are you sure you want to do that? And he's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it, you know, I don't think they're going to be that bad. And he's like, but it's going to be your, you know, it's going to be at Ligonier. And he's like, no, you know, we'll be cordial. He's like, I know, but you're going to be outnumbered. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember talking about that. I mean, think about it. Let's go on and really and explain Matthew six sixteen through eighteen because that's one of the ones that really explains what fasting is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of right. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Mm. When you fast, don't announce it by the way you look or act. I mean, the next positive command is, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. Don't let them know. Right. I mean, this is... Yeah, it's the heart of fasting is to depend on God 
for your source of everything, not encouragement from people. Oh, you're so holy for, for fasting. Oh, you know, it's how great you are for fasting. Right. Or even ta- flaunting it. Yeah. Like I, fast, did. yeah I fast three times a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I really feel like after saying that, we had to pause and just be done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't go on. Yeah. And this is, no. <clears throat> but fasting, I guess, is like one of the things that we can see is important to the Christian life. But at the same time, like, is one of those things that is done in, in humility. Yeah. It, it, I think that's the key, you know, that that, that is the, the lock to to fasting. And uh, it says, you know, just like all the other spiritual disciplines, fasting is not to be a legalistic routine. Mm-hmm. It is a privilege and an opportunity to seek God's grace that is open to us as often as we desire it. Right. You know, we, humility, the the non-legalistic, the, I think they kind of, I think they go together. Well, I mean, this is, the way Matthew chapter, opens up this chapter six, although I guess technically it wasn't chapter when Matthew wrote this. <laughs> Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. I mean, what is the purpose of us practicing our righteousness? I mean, that really gets to the whole intention. Yeah. Because even if you're a Christian, you have to practice righteousness. I would sure hope so. (laughs) (laughs) It's called sanctification. It should be working its way in, yeah. And if not, then you need to go read chapter John, John chapter 13, 14, and 15. And if you don't get it by then, that those who abide in Jesus' love obey his commandments, then uh, we'll need to discuss some more. Please go talk to your pastor or elders immediately. (laughs) Or another Christian you look up to. Or another Christian. (laughs) Please. Yeah, and this is why serving is so important in the church. Absolutely. Not so that your righteousness can be seen. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> but because the church is supposed to exhume righteousness. But righteousness with love. Yeah. Not legalistic righteousness. Not righteousness. Writing, righteousness should not be... Okay, back up. A whitewashed him. Yeah, yeah. When when you the goal of righteousness is, as Luther put, the alien righteousness. When you, when you first must understand that the righteousness that you have that you possess in front of God is not your righteousness. Therefore, you cannot work up in yourself righteousness. The only righteousness that is worked in you is through the Spirit, which is an act of grace. So even your acts of "Quote unquote righteousness," your, your the walking of sanctification is by the Spirit. It is not of your own doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we are created for His workmanship in Christ Jesus. We we are we are created. Spirit works through us. This results in righteousness. Absolutely, not of ourselves. Right. 
So now that we've kind of set up practices of fasting and what are some types of fasting, what is the purpose of doing those fastings? We kind of hit on it, but... Uh, yeah, we kind of danced around it. Danced around it. It It's to draw you closer to God. Right. I mean, there's a biblical purpose of doing it because you want to grow spiritually, but... What are some specific instances that fasting can help us grow in? Some specific instances it can definitely help us grow in our dependence and reliance through prayer. Right. Absolutely. I mean, fasting, you see, is used to strengthen prayer. Yeah. I mean, it's like the hinge. Not a, I mean, it's like a hinge that the door of prayer can swing on. I mean, it can swing so much faster and quicker right. on fasting yeah i like the way that i don't want to put it there's something about fasting that sharpens the edge of our intercessions and deepens the passion of our supplications mm. so the people of god have frequently utilized fasting when they have felt a special urgency about the concerns they lift before the father mm. think about ezra when he's leading a group of exiles back to jerusalem he proclaimed a fast in order for the people to seek the lord earnestly for a safe passage Donald Whitney like really summarizes this in a great way because helping to explain the story and I'm only saying that I'm using his words because he explains this really good that Ezra and Jerusalem were going back without military protection during a 900 mile journey. Hmm. So in order to get through that, they fasted and implored our God for this. I would pray to God, too, if I had to walk 900 miles. <laughs> Tell me about it. I couldn't do that. Any... <laughs> That's that song. I would walk 10,000 miles. Something like that. You know the song I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Is it 10,000 miles or is it like 500? Hey, it's 500. I don't know. I know what song you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> it just popped in my head. as <laughs> But, Okay. So, does this mean that fasting is a spiritual hunger strike? <laughs> a spiritual hunger strike. I didn't think of that until I started reading. I was like, <laughs> it's it shouldn't be a strike. No, <clears throat> we will. I will not eat. You shouldn't be like the uh, the Pharisees that we just were, I mentioned three times now. I will not eat until you die. Well, that's probably not good. I do wonder if they really did die, you know? Yeah. Paul didn't die. Because Paul didn't die. Yeah. So what did they... I just want to know. I'm sure there was that one guy who definitely <laughs> did it. <laughs> he was like, tried I'm like, you guys are a bunch of losers. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to do this. Do this. But, I mean, is it a spiritual hunger strike that compels God to do our bidding? No. I mean, I can imagine, like, it's the people with the picket fences outside the factory saying, "Yeah, I want a new wage. I want a new Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's not how fasting is meant to no. work on God. No. Again, when we go back to the, you know, the, the righteousness aspects that you should really come to him, well, like you mentioned too, humbly before him. The, the fasting should result in humility, should not result in 
boasting, because that would be the opposite of fasting. Mm -hmm. We'd be trying to manipulate God and not depend on God. Right. Um, Arthur Wallace says, Fasting is calculated to bring a note of urgency and importunity into our praying and to give force to our pleading in the court of heaven. The man who prays with fasting is giving heaven notice that he is truly in earnest. Not only so, but he is expressing his earnestness in a divinely appointed way. Mm. He's using a means that God has chosen to make his voice to be heard on high. Mm. So we see it through prayer. Where else do we see it, though? How, or how else do we see it? Sorry. You see Did I say that right? What are you? I don't know. I'm trying to think. We see it to strengthen prayer. That's what I meant to say. We see it to strengthen prayer. Okay. I was Sorry. Like, where are you going with this after like, okay, what are other divinely appointed ways to get closer to God? Okay. Sorry. It's late. Anyway, we see it to strengthen prayer. Right. What else does it do though? Is it just is it just to strengthen our prayer? No. I mean, and we kind of hit on this earlier when we were talking about when churches are making a decision on leadership mm-hmm. wise. But I mean, fasting should be used to seek God's guidance. You think about the time when in Judges 20, 11 tribes of Israel were attacking the Benjamites. Slightly outnumbered. Just a little bit, and they were still losing. Yeah. So they started praying. They went into battle, lost to the Benjamites. And then next day, tried it again. They saw it with prayer and tears, again lost. And then finally came back and fasted with prayer and tears. And then finally, God made clear to them, go up tomorrow and I will give them into your hands. And it was through fasting, even though it was a not a good outcome, but through the fasting, they discerned God's will. Or they, they, they finally had humbled themselves. Let me say that. Right. They finally humbled themselves for God's guidance instead of taking it upon themselves to do it. Absolutely. I mean, I think of Paul and Barnabas. I love, I love this part right here. I Prayed with fasting and received God's guidance. I mean, man, there's just so many instances um, that I've learned of in this short amount of time <laughs> that you know you can you could really benefit from fasting. I mean, if they were at the drop of a hat willing to fast, then why aren't we for these decisions and guidance? Right. I mean, think about it. Let's go to a more modern person. Mm. Say that loosely because it's not, he's not really very modern anymore. But David Brannard prayed with fasting to discern the Lord's leadership regarding his entry into ministry. And if you think about this time, his ministry, if I remember, was going out to Native American tribes. Yeah. Pretty brutal. And teaching them the ways of the faith. And remember that the, you know, the uh, uh, correspondence between Native Americans and, you know, the settlers were not very cordial at this moment. Right. I mean, 
Okay. I'm reading this date, right? Monday, April 19th, 1742. Mm-hmm. So that's before America is even a nation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I set apart this day for fasting and prayer to God for his grace, especially to prepare me for the work of the ministry, to give me divine aid and direction in my preparations for that great work, and in his own time to send me into his harvest. I mean, what he says of his own experiences is, I felt a power of intercession for precious immortal souls, for the advancement of the kingdom of my dear Lord and Savior in the world, and withal a most sweet resignation, even consolation and joy, in the thoughts of suffering hardship, distresses, and even death itself, and the promotion of it. My soul was drawn out very much for the world. I grasped for multitudes of souls. I think I have more enlargement for sinners than for the children of God, though I felt as if I could spend my life in Christ for both. I enjoyed great sweetness and communion with my dear Savior. I think I never in my life felt such an entire weaningness from this world and so much resigned to God in everything. Just wish that, I imagine if you had that type of experience while fasting. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we even look towards even normally without fasting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just the way that soul cries out. I mean, you you go and read through the Puritans. I mean, you go and listen to John Piper preach. Mm Mm-hmm. Stephen Lawson, I mean, any pastor who, like, you can tell has a deep relationship with God, and not just acting like it, but, like, you you know, mm-hmm. just by the way they're preaching, that, man, this is how much this really means to you. Yeah. Like, this is not a job. Like, you are, like, your heart is truly attached to the message your heart is truly there you you are you are really bringing the word of god you're bringing god to bear in this right your connection i i think you know that hinges with i love the way whitney ended here he says fasting does not ensure the certainty of receiving clear guidance from god rightly practice however it does make us more receptive to the one who loves to guide us mm-hmm. and I mean, that's really an important part to think of. But I think the one thing that is kind of touched upon, but like, this is meant for like a time for flesh to fast from it, right? Mm -hmm. But this is a time for our soul to feast. (laughs) I like how he said that. Yeah. So we've talked about direction and strength in prayer. What are some other ways that fasting can be used? To express our grief. Right. When we're distraught. I mean, we've talked about David's situation. Mm-hmm. What are some other situations in Scripture that kind of happen similarly? To Like to David's? Yeah. In grief. Uh, you see in First Peter 3, 18. It says... Uh, sorry, it says if we... God has promised that if we confess with our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. From all unrighteousness? All unrighteousness, not righteousness. <laughs> Sorry. And that's definitely not First Peter 3. <laughs> what did I say? I read the wrong one, didn't I? Yeah. That's First John. 
I'm too tired. That was First John one nine. <laughs> That's all right. You got First Peter three eighteen. Uh, I don't think he actually listed us out here. No, oh, look at that here. <laughs> I but can't. Uh, another situation is like in First Samuel thirty one thirteen, where the people mourn for Saul's death after the Philistines had killed him, and even David takes his own clothes off and renders them and mourns and wept and fasted for both Saul and Jonathan. Um, so I guess that's twice yeah. that David does that. He was a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. So we see grief. We see to seek deliverance or protection from grief to deliverance, such as Second Chronicles 20, where it says, Josaphat, that wonderful king, says, resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Mm-hmm. So we see fasting for deliverance or protection. What else do we see? Oof. One that's definitely pretty important. Express repentance and return to God. Mm. It's a tough one. Kind of the big one that we've already brushed over, but the big one that we're all familiar with is Jonah. Right, and Nineveh. Jonah and Nineveh. We see all the Ninevites turned from their ways, trusted in the Lord. Yep. In Joel 2.12, the Lord specifically commands his people to signify their repentance and their return to him by fasting. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And kind of shows how repentance isn't just something that isn't words that we can say. I mean, it has to be followed with actions. Mm-hmm. That's that. It's something that's provable yeah it is you know that that's the the you know repentance that the greek word metanoia the the changing of mind you know the concept of going one direction and pivoting and going the other direction a complete alteration right and if you haven't read it read thomas watson's watson's doctrine of repentance Mm -hmm. amen okay I like what Whitney says again. It says, not only can fasting express repentance, but it can also be in vain without repentance. Absolutely. I mean, we think about, again, the Pharisee, but Mm -hmm. that's the easiest one to run back to. But even all these spiritual disciplines without repentance are in vain. Yeah. They become just tasks, boxes, no more than... Check marks. Check marks. No more than... Feeding the cat and watering the dog. Right. I mean, they're a dead work. Mm-hmm. And remember, these disciplines are supposed to be an outflowing of the Spirit, a working of the Spirit in your life. And so to detach them from that, it's kind of like, I don't know, trying to walk on your hands. 
Right. Let's read this quote for Thomas, from Thomas Boston. It says, In vain will you fast and pretend to be humbled for our sins, and make confession of them, if our love of sin be not turned into hatred, our liking of it too into loathing, and our cleaving to it into a longing to be rid of it, with full purpose to resist the motions of it in our heart and the outbreakings thereof in our life, if we turn not unto God as a rightful Lord and Master and return to our duty again. I mean, even in thinking of this repentance, like, it's kind of easy to where we get in this mindset of, oh, I didn't do this today, so, oh man, I'm not a good Christian. Like, you're measuring how good of a Christian you are by how well you're doing these things. Mm-hmm. And granted, like, say this loosely like doing these items can show where your faith lies but they're not the measurement of how faithful you are by how well you do them they can be an evidence of the roots but it doesn't mean they correspond to the roots right because as john 15 so beautifully puts jesus is the vine and you, the branch, if you try to do anything without the vine, mm-hmm. you will not bear any fruit. Just like fruit trees, for instance. A dead fruit tree can still produce fruit. The problem is it still cracks and falls over the next time. It produces fruit for a while, and then it's gone. Because the root of it's dead. It's not actually living anymore. It's living off of something else that's, that's, that's there, the little bit of life that's left. And so, I mean... If you're doing any of these disciplines as as that, it could be a sign that your tree's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And sometimes fasting, when we're dead like that, actually lets us humble ourselves and realize what state we're in. I mean, kind of goes hand in hand with the repentance. You can't have repentance without the humility aspect. Yeah. I mean... We should humble ourselves. We should humble ourselves before God, like what He says here. Many who are accustomed to expressing humility in prayer by kneeling might ask why we would want to express humility all day by fasting. Conversely, John Calvin asked a better question: Why not? For since this fasting is a holy exercise, both for humbling of men and for their confession of humility. Why should we use it less than the ancients did in similar need? What reason is there why we should not do the same? That's definitely a crucial reminder. They did this a lot in Scripture. Mm -hmm. So much that they didn't have to teach people how to do it. They just did it. I'm sure they were taught, but it was common Mm. occurrence that they didn't have to go and study like, this is what is fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just did it. It was just a right. A reflux. But and I mean that humility that driving us to our knees is kind of flows into the next. I mean mm-hmm. one way is we can be humbled, can reorient us, can draw us attention and bring us closer to the concerns of 
the concern for the work of God. Align us with the work of God. Right. I mean, it's not just seeking guidance, but at the same time, like, as David Brainerd put it when we were reading his journal, like, he had more of a concern for the souls around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a time where we start to follow the will of God and feel more for what that will is. I know we've mentioned him before, but uh, Richard Mueller is a prime example of that. That's what he did. I mean, he prayed and fasted without telling anybody, anyone, of his needs. And what happened? God met his needs. Now, his needs, when I, to relate to the work of God, his needs were for an orphanage. So, doing the work of God. Right. So, super important. So, I mean, even concerning the will and following it, we'll kind of use John Piper and go into it. Like, and that's a good transition into ministering the needs of others. My heart is hungry for all the fullness of God. I long for a deeper work of God in the midst of his people. I yearn for a mighty tide of missionary zeal to spread a passion for the supremacy of Christ and all things for the joy of all peoples. I long to see unmistakable, supernatural, new birth taking place week in and week out through the compelling witness of God's transformed people wherever he is named. Mm. Fasting for that to happen. When God is transforming people, he's using fasting to ministering to the needs of others. Mm -hmm. It flows into the other. Yeah. Isaiah 58. It's one of the most extensive passages in Scripture dealing exclusively exclusively with fasting. God emphasizes fasting for the purpose of meeting the needs of others. Behold, in the day of your fast, the Lord said to them in verses 3 through 4, You seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel in the fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. So although they were fasting, they were also arguing, fighting, and mistreating others. That's not what fasting is set up for. Mm-mm. Fasting is set up so we can grow spiritually and not just focus on our needs, but those of others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that something special about nothing more basic than being hungry and being selfish when you're hungry and then overcoming that selfishness to be focused upon others. Right. But I mean, it's one of those times too where it's something that can happen during a congregational fast Mm -hmm. or even a national fast or Mm -hmm. even something between you and your friends. I mean, you have a need that needs to be met. This is time to fast and pray together for that. Mm. Yeah. How does fasting help overcome temptation? Mm. Seems like a like like it like it that can't be so. You would think that I mean you fast it would drive you more into temptation, does it not? <laughs> if your temptation is gluttony, that's a possibility. <laughs> well, when you think about I mean, yeah, I mean you think of that. I know we're using the biblical thing here, but you look at you know, you zoom out and you look at the other things that people can fast from. Does it not uh, tend to stir up temptation, you think? Yeah. But when you look in Matthew, what do you see? In Matthew verses or chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, 
You see, verses two of the verse two of that familiar passage tells us that Jesus fasted for forty days and forty nights. In the spiritual strength of that prolonged fast, he was prepared to overcome a direct onslaught of temptation from Satan himself, the strongest he would face uh, until Gethsemane. So it was during that fast that he privately dedicated himself to the Father for the public ministry he would begin soon after. It was after that temptation, after, I mean, the fasting was during that temptation, and because of that, that really set up the garden. Mm-hmm. I mean, the toughest thing that anyone has ever experienced. Right. Ever. Well, if I remember too, I mean, this even goes back to pointing towards the original priesthood when it was set up. If I remember, Aaron and his two sons, they also mm-hmm. had to sit right there at the temple and fast for ordination. If I remember. I yeah. believe that's... I know they had to sit there and they could not move away from the tabernacle for a few hours. Hmm. I have to look into that. Might be right. Right there, but I mean, there's so many different things that we realize that we can use fasting for that we don't, mm-hmm. and we're trying to make sure that we list those out there. And I mean, really, all these at the same time, like they interplay off each other so well too. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this last one, I think you can see in, o- in almost every one <laughs> of the last yeah. things. I would hope so <laughs> to express love and worship God. Yeah, really, that should be the almost the capstone to every single one of them you know it is the the chain that's linked to every single one of them at, at all this all fasting praying everything should lead to the love and worship of god i mean that's the point of it to give up something that you that's required of you to focus on the one who is more important in your life you need him more than food and water right like David Smith puts it really well, any blessing which is bestowed by the Father upon his undeserving children must be considered to be an act of grace. We have failed to appreciate the mercy of the Lord if we think by our doing something we have forced or even coerced God to grant that blessing which we have asked for. Hmm. All of our fasting, therefore, must be on this basis. We should use it as a scriptural means whereby we are melted into a more complete realization of the purposes of the Lord in our life, church, community, and nation. Don Whitney says, Fasting can be an expression of finding your greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life from God. That the case when disciplining yourself to fast means that you love God more than food, and seeking Him is more important than you eating. This honors God, and this and, this, and is a means of worship him as God. It means that your stomach isn't your God, as it is with some. Instead, it is God's servant, and fasting proves it because you are willing to sub- subliminate its desires to those of the Spirit. And Christians throughout history have fasted for this purpose in preparation for the Lord's Supper. Have you ever thought about that? I mean... Yes and no. I mean, I've thought about it before because, I mean, we come to the time of, especially something as important the Lord's Supper, right? Mm-hmm. Where we have to take that time to confess our sins because it, 
Lord's Supper isn't something we should take in an unworthy manner. No. But how often do we even try to think of it in advance of not just the Lord's Supper, but any time, like when we're really repenting of sin, Mm -hmm. like fasting could be evidence of this or how has God worked in my life? Fasting could be evidence of this. Mm -hmm. Well, wait, didn't you say that people weren't supposed to see you when you fast? Well, I mean, you think about it, and what if people ask you how God had worked in your life? Are you supposed to withhold the fact that, hey, God showed through Scripture how fasting had really affected multiple things throughout Scripture, mm-hmm. and fasting is a biblical way that God actually has things happen. It wasn't a drag for me to do this, but I really actually enjoyed getting to fast for this. You mean you enjoyed not eating? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, it's even kind of thinking of those situations, like one coming up shortly that David Platt is really famous for is his radical night Mm. of where take six hours of intense Bible study of where it's in the evening and you're going from like six to one, I think is what the time is this year Man, to kind of show you the events that he went through when he was a missionary or went on a mission trip in Asia and where in two days, like they stayed there and they went through the whole old Testament and new Testament together. Or maybe it's three days, something like that. But like these people, they gave up their tending their farms. They gave up their livelihoods for a little bit just so that they could understand more of who God was and who he is. Preaching the whole Bible in that amount of time. Not preaching it, but but studying it. But going through teaching it. it yeah. Teaching it, yeah. I mean, it's taking me almost a whole year to go through the four gospels (laughs) if not more yeah so it's more than a few days if you added up all the hours yeah but want to make sure that you guys just understand how important fasting needs to be in our lives i mean all these spiritual disciplines are things that we need to crucially look at Mm -hmm. but fasting is probably the one that gets talked about the least it does and when it gets talked about, it seems like the, I don't know, the essence of it is missed. Right. You know, it, when it gets talked about, it, it tends to focus on, yes, times of struggles, times of increasing your your prayer power. There you go. Right. You know, that's more the essence of it. It's more like, uh, this is the benefits of it. Yeah. This is the magic key. This is what you need to do. This is the name it and claim it and blab it and grab it type situation, you know. Instead of this is the mechanism that makes you depend on God more. Right. Instead of you changing God, he changes you Mm -hmm. through your actions. Absolutely. I've... Gotta say, I've actually really 
this study has made me evaluate my own personal walk and what areas I haven't shored up really. Right. I mean, if you think about it, this is the longest series we've had so far. Yeah, we've only done like three series though. Yeah, but I mean, you think about it. We breeze through the five doctrines of grace pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we breeze through lamentations pretty quickly. And we've been on this since almost a whole year ago, I'm pretty sure. You're probably right. It's been, yeah. it's been a little bit. Granted, I mean, we're only doing one or two episodes a month, but I mean, still, this has been like a pretty weighty subject that we all need to think about. It is. And, you know, it, maybe there's something that kind of resonates with everybody as you walk through these disciplines. Mm-hmm. Something that needs to be reminded of or things that need to implement. Yeah. Because there's things that, oh, yeah, I forgot that was there and I really need to focus on that again. Yeah. Like a reorienting yourself to God, you know, which is what the spiritual disciplines are supposed to do. It's supposed to discipline you into a godly image. Right. And it's more like, yes, you're doing these things to discipline you. But God is using those disciplines to discipline you. Yeah, yeah. Each one is a stick and he's smacking you with it. No. No. (laughs) But guys, thanks for listening to Anchored by Faith. You can find us on most major podcasting sites or find us at anchoredbyfaith.podbean.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at ROM829ABF. Feel free to be on the lookout for new episodes. And spiritual disciplines, we only got a few more left. Yep. think could have like only two or three, depending on how we mix up these mm-hmm. next two. So feel free on the lookout for those. And remember, the goal here is to help us and you to be more conformed to the image of God and let God work in our lives to do that. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, guys. My name is Logan Batisti. And my name's Colton Wright. Good night. And God bless. God bless.